yeah, so traveling back yesterday was was pretty chill actually. Okay. Um, we I had a like a quick layover in Denver, but other than that, it was it was pretty smooth. Didn't have any uh, anything wild happen. I just slept for like the entire first flight, and then I just listened to like a long episode of Pints with Aquinas on the second flight. So That's it was solid. it was chill. Hey, yeah. I mean, that's. I, I love Pines with Aquinas. Sometimes they can, they're a little long. Well, that's the goal. They're, they, he says they, they're long form. Yeah. The well, goal is not the same as stress, ours. He stresses the long on the long form. For sure. I, I do think like, yeah, for flights or for drives, they're they're perfect. Yeah. It's, actually, honestly, because um, you just, and w- they really get into it too, you know. They like, they do. That's that's the best part about it. I think there's something really cool about um, you ask somebody a question and then you don't have to like, if they start really getting invested in giving an answer you don't have to start like pointing at your watch and saying yeah. like all right let's wrap this up you can you can really just let the person settle just into go. it yeah um and yeah it's amazing because I, I work uh at my college i had like a student job taking care of uh, the groundskeeping mm-hmm. so on saturday mornings i have a long four-hour shift and so it's really chill just uh you know to put on the newest episode of finds aquinas in like in a earbud and then just go to town working because like nice. you know the, the work's very manual it's not very yeah. you know intellectual mm-hmm. so i can just kind of engage both shut my brain off like listen to pines of aquinas and then just you know do whatever i'm doing with my hands so that's solid it's I'm definitely hoping, coming clutch i'm hoping to actually so i'm going to seek mm-hmm. uh, in st louis in a couple of weeks uh it's gonna be so, so if baller, any of you are dude. going there the podcast is coming um well mainly because i'm coming i'm, yeah. at, I'm coming for the vocation office but uh <laughs> also representing the podcast yeah, yeah you know shameless plug exactly um also if i'm coming with the vocation office you know to recruit guys who are maybe interested in coming to the monastery and one of the things i'm trying to recruit them with is i'm helping to lead a pilgrimage on the camino this summer uh end of may early june um and we're only co- do you have any open spots left uh yeah i mean i think we only actually have like two of the seven spots okay taken, guys so. come come crash those extra five spots and we're only charging like a thousand dollars which that's the a steal. whole price the whole trip is really worth about three to four thousand dollars three to so, four thousand guys so you're anyway. saving two to three thousand just come on but anyways so um i'm not going on it by the way i'm just plugging for him yeah but, yeah. yeah um but at seek hallow the app um you know like with the has Number yeah. one Catholic app out there, honestly. Father Mike Schmitz, Matt Frad, yeah, um, Bishop Barron, mm-hmm. Jonathan Rumi, or... yeah, Jonathan Rumi, yeah. Um, they're doing a special like hollow sponsor, hollow contributor, whatever, um, like event, event. yeah, like a at reception Seek? at Seek, and I got invited. Let's freaking um, go! Yeah, it has because nothing to do with me. being a content creator. No, just no, no. Okay, no, we're trying <laughs> to actually do stuff between Saint Vincent and Hallow. Hallow, so, that's sick. Uh, and it's actually Brother Bosco who we had on a couple weeks ago. It's pretty much entirely because of him. Let's go. Um, which is so dope. So I'm really trying to push, um, like, so yeah. <laughs> I just imagine you pulling up to like this meeting. Um, or this, this, handing this, out this event and you're like, oh yeah, have you heard about my podcast? I'm like, sure you've heard about my podcast. I mean, yeah. everyone, you know, in the small sliver between Grove City and Latrobe, everyone there talks about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the two people at my college that, uh, that have listened to a couple <laughs> episodes, shout out to both of you, by the way. Um, you could like go to Matt Frad and be like, yeah. you know, Matt, I've been, I've been meaning to have you on. We've been noticing you've been getting a good bit of notoriety. And so <laughs> I think it's about time we invite you on our show. I mean, look at our last video. We were... We, we booming had, we had at solid, least like 12 li- views you know? at least 12 maybe maybe even 13 honestly Going, get, we're getting like, bigger every day man um but yeah no that that actually is super sick are you so are you going fans is it partly campus ministry that you're going so uh, with for seek campus ministry is taking a group there for the conference um i'm not officially going under campus ministry i'm okay. undergoing i'm undergoing 
I'm going under the vocation office of the monastery. Okay. We're going to have a booth there to kind of, you know, get yeah. a little bit. We don't do this kind of stuff. Right. Which is, we're so really branching out with our hands. That's we're trying good. to recruit people with our hands tied behind our back. We need to up our game. So we're trying yeah. to. Trying to do that. Heck so. yeah, bro. I mean, are you going to be able to hear any of the talks from like Father oh, yeah. Schmitz or yeah. anything? Okay. There's certain times where the booths are closed so that mm-hmm. everyone can be For there. the keynotes and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Makes sense. So, um, Excellent. So yeah, uh, for those of you going to Seek, maybe run, run into him. Yeah, that would be uh, sick. That'd be gnarly. Um, and if you are a fan already, um, you know, like come and like make some noise for us, you know, like yeah, dude. build up, be like, whoa, man, it's like that like brother Francisco from... Like, he's kind of a giga chat okay um yeah and you know if you're gonna give us a shout out also also yeah. give me a shout yeah. out because we actually over the summer um i took vows and a student from saint vincent who uh her name is sarah she listens to the podcast and she it was the first time she met nate and i loved when she said she's like it's oh my gosh it's like meaning a celebrity yeah yeah that was that, probably like the biggest head that was the nate the made. nicest lie anybody's ever told me but <laughs> but i'll take it honestly yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, dude. So you know, here we are. We're in Advent. We're approaching Christmas on Gaudete Sunday right yes. now. We're, we're recording, and uh, yeah, how's Advent going for you so far? Um, Advent's going pretty good because actually, Hallow. Uh, mm-hmm. they're doing a twenty-five they days a with thing. C.S. Lewis. So mm-hmm. I've been doing that, which has been really awesome. I was behind a couple of days, so I've been catching up. And is that um, with Jonathan Rumi actually? Reading, he leads or? most of it, and then okay. Liam Neeson actually reads a I lot saw that that's fire um, which because he was the voice of aslan in the movies they that's brought a him connection in. okay um is he catholic no actually okay. and w- there's actually some people were kind of like eh, because he's actually at points been very vocal about abortion oh. specifically about trying to bring cringe ireland to like a point of like you know supporting abortion yeah but that uh, you know a way to evangelize people is i mean However He's you can, whatever means you can use to convert somebody, even if exactly. it's working alongside them while they're still not converted yet. Hey, if, yeah. if, it, if Liam Neeson becomes, becomes Catholic, that'd be baller. Yeah, um, exactly. That'd be so, sick. Gotta work with what you have. Yeah. So my advent, I would say it's been pretty good because of that. Yeah. I'm also working on, and actually you're doing it with me, um, a Joseph consecration, mm-hmm. a consecration to Jesus through the heart of St. Joseph right. uh, that we're going to do on Christmas Day. Yeah. So I'm getting super pumped That's about gonna that. That's going to be fire. Because, um, you know, he is the ultimate, ultimate giga chad. And I mean, he's really just a... a perfect role model for men of what you know a wholesome fatherhood looks like and, and just being a protective man and it's just like yeah it's gonna be super exciting getting to be consecrated to him because we've made consecrations to mary before and there's something deeply beautiful about that and many of the saints did that yeah but there's something i think really special about consecrating yourself to saint joseph um, just because he is a father figure and we need to embrace that um and and it's also it's on the rise right now i think consecration oh, yeah. saint joseph has become a big thing probably largely is. thanks to that book by uh, father uh, donald calloway yeah yeah but um but yeah it's it's getting big so. you know actually i didn't think about this in just just now but so joseph you know as the yeah like you said a model especially for masculinity and fatherhood yeah. in men but jesus was jesus joseph was the protector and guardian of jesus mm-hmm. right but he was also perfectly obedient and humble yeah so he was both like on defense, mm-hmm. um, you know, t- protecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also like perfectly submissive at the same time, yeah. which is um, when we talked about masculinity before, like that's kind of the perfect like combo that we mm-hmm. need to have. Um, but that kind of model just in general, I think is how we ought to be um, in relation to so many things, yeah. like, both um, willing in, to protect and to act and defend yeah. what is good and true and beautiful, mm-hmm. but also at the same time be willing to receive humbly 
or obediently from either the church, God, or even from other people yeah. when they might have something that to teach us. Mm. Um, specifically, um, that should be kind of what our relation with our own country yeah. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, You're talking about sort of a, a balance between uh, being defensive and also being in some way inclusive and, and tolerant of others. Like that, It seems like that's kind of something that's at the the core of patriotism is a certain balance because mm-hmm. obviously uh when it comes to matters of like you know international dialogue and things like that we want to represent our country and we want to be loyal to our country or even not in matters of international dialogue but just as citizens yeah we yeah. want we want to have a strong sense of, of national identity we we ought to um yeah we, we ought to have that sense of national identity and a love for our country and a willingness to defend it but uh, there is an extreme that you can reach. You you can go too far with um, patriotism and, and then start oh, to approach yeah. nationalism. So it's really, I think you're right. It's like all virtues in some way, it's it's a mean between the extremes of, on one hand, uh, nationalism, and on the other hand, I think we're seeing more and more nowadays, which is globalism. Mm. So I know you've written pretty recently about this I topic. Have, yes. um, near so, and dear to my heart, actually, what true patriotism looks like for a Christian. And um, since you did write about that, what... What does it in 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 a nutshell to start off? What does it look like for a Christian? Because obviously, you know, some people I think seem to think that no matter how far you go with patriotism, it's necessarily going to be uh, commensurable with their Christianity. But that that doesn't seem to be necessarily true. There's some people mm. who kind of put their Americanism, at least in our country, over yes. over their Christianity, or they put their political views um, above their their Christian identity. So how do you think that's fit, actually they can fit together? It's a really really good point, and multiple popes speak on that specifically pope pius the 11th then the 12th okay um and actually pope francis all said that um there are ways in which people kind of um blend tenets of patriotism um like or, democracy in our in our country's case maybe. sure sure yeah. um or even um nationalism um with a christian identity or yeah. christian lifestyle yeah. because so for instance let's look at nationalism specifically okay. um which to define nationalism is um, a like myoptic love of your own country mm-hmm. in an unordered way, disordered okay. way, so that you see your country as the only good one in the okay. entire world mm-hmm. um, and that all others are like subpar to you um, and that your country has ultimate authority mm-hmm. and that like the political head of your of your country, your nation, the state has supremacy over the whole sovereignty over the world and even in opposition to god if you really take it to its extreme so now that's what you see i think in machiavelli and and hobbes leviathan a little bit that the sovereign in control of the state he ultimately does dictate uh morality in his state yeah right yeah um and then yeah i want to get back to that point in a second but um so now there's aspects about patriotism or even nationalism that seem christian right Mm -hmm. um taking care of your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Taking care of those in your own country. Um, obedience, yeah. right? Obedience to authority. Mm-hmm. Um, willing to sacrifice yourself on behalf of your country. You know, we're supposed to sacrifice yourself for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, discipline, right? They, they requires, you know, either as a soldier or as a good citizen, it, if you're loyal, it requires a level of sacrifice and discipline mm-hmm. um, 
so that you go beyond yourself right. for their good. And that seems like all of this seems sound pretty yeah. Christian. That's right? part of the transcendentals, right? It's just that, and that's at the core of recognizing the transcendentals in life is recognizing there's some cause that's greater than yourself. Exactly. And so yeah. patriotism seems to really participate that when it's well ordered. Yeah. yeah. The problem is is when nationalism or patriotism that's gone to an extreme mm-hmm. loses universal charity. Uh, Pope Pius XII mm-hmm. says any patriotism or any nationalism that goes against the gospel um, is uh, an apostasy. Wow. Um, so that because it's a rejection of Christianity. Yeah, as a whole. yeah. He said, yeah. It, and all the popes that I mentioned before all name nationalism as a concept, an ideology contrary to the gospel itself. Wow. Um, because Christ did not just say, "Love your neighbors," right? <laughs> Love your yeah. enemies. Yeah. Um, that means that there's going to be people who identify differently than you. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say, oh, to love our enemies, we all become the same. No, that's not what Christ right, is saying. Right. You love them because they're distinct mm-hmm. and separate from you, but not because they're. you don't treat them as inferior. Right. And that's what nationalism mm-hmm. um, naturally does. It also really devalues um, like a p- personal relationship with God mm-hmm. because that could threaten your personal relationship with the state, right? Mm-hmm. If somehow the state was to command you something, let's right. for like an obvious, obvious example of a nationalistic state is Nazi Germany, yeah, right? So that they commanding their soldiers to do things that are clearly a violation of the dignity that they owe other people, right? Um, well, if you understand the Ten Commandments, now you're in your body or your, who you are, right, is in contradiction. Yeah. Like, well, I owe this to God, but now you're saying I owe this to the state. Mm-hmm. Nationalism is say, well, it doesn't matter what God says. Right. Because the state has ultimate authority. Right. And it seems like Christ directly addressed this issue, you know, in the classic example where they brought him a coin. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the question the Pharisees posed to him is, uh, who do we owe our allegiance to, to Caesar or to God? Like, basically, uh, what, should we pay the, the tax or yeah. not? And, you know, Christ's answer was was simple. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. So to Caesar, you owe, you know, some of your practical loyalties as a citizen. Mm -hmm. So that means paying taxes. You know, in our country, that means we ought to vote. We ought to participate in, you know, the electoral process. And, you know, if necessary, if we're called on uh, to serve our country militarily, then we ought to do that too. We ought to come to uh, our aid or to to the aid of our country in defending her. But if any of uh, the things that our country or the leadership in our country is – is dictating if any of that is in violation of God's law or just directly contradicts it, then we have to like let go of them yeah. in favor of God's law. We we can't you know observe the the ordinances of, of Caesar or of the U.S. president mm-hmm. uh, if it means violating God's law, which, which kind of itself just that principle is acknowledging even among a like two like people or, or two powers to which we owe some allegiance, there is a hierarchy. Yeah. There's the divine law. Mm-hmm. And then below that, there is, you know, our civil law. Yeah. So. And I'm glad you brought up that specific passage because an article I was reading for the, a paper I wrote specifically right. cites that. It says nationalism is to render Caesar everything, yeah. your education, your own soul, mm-hmm. your family. Um, and if we think about it, right, Jesus says render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar because his image is on the coin, right? Right. But we're created in the image of God. So we render ourselves and our souls to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pius says a state can demand um, goods and even like blood from its citizens, but can right. it never can demand their soul. And that's wow. really what nationalism is looking mm-hmm. to do. Um, 
that like there is no there is no good end beyond the state right, right? there's no good right. end beyond your country right. and the end or as the final the cause, final cause yeah. as aristotle would say is that towards which we tend mm-hmm. like the final good the final thing that we're made to be part of made mm-hmm. to participate in that we're striving all of our life for nationalism says it's the your country itself you right. strive for nothing beyond the good the of your state. country exactly whereas, whereas it seems like in an uh, ordered society in a well-ordered well-ordered society i'm tripping on my words today sorry um it seems like the final cause of your existence uh would be something in which your society participates but goes beyond your society mm-hmm. it seems like for all humans our final cause is ultimate eternal happiness with god in heaven exactly and it seems like in a well-ordered society uh the politics and the political system are going to be ordered towards that and they're going to contribute to reaching that end mm-hmm. but they themselves are not going to make themselves the end yeah and that's that's what a good society should be and what mm-hmm. patriotism as a virtue should shape a society to be right. which is a best reflection as we can on earth of what heaven is supposed to be right a communion between those who share values share um identity right. share some kind of life um and the understanding that like we must have a relationship and we must have a disposition towards that country mm-hmm. and our the people we live with it because it's actually natural to our it to us it's natural mm-hmm. to our uh, who we are as created people right, right we were created right. for communion what was the first thing god said it is not good for for him to be for man to be, to alone, be alone right, right? everything else before that was yeah. this is good or very good when the first thing god says in genesis that is not good is for man to be alone right so by saying that he creates in his nature that he's meant to be with others. Right. Um, so we are also meant to be with others. And by sharing in experience with other, we actually grow a sense of communal identity, right. which is how we actually, Pope John Paul talks about this in his uh, reflections, memory and identity, um, that we grow to the fullest stature of our human persons through a discovery of our identity, mm-hmm. which is only possible in a society, in right. a communal setting. Right. That's really interesting then that um, from JP2 and from Aristotle, you see uh, man is not perfected in his nature on his own. Right. To yeah. reach the perfection of his nature, he has to live in a community and not just, I don't think, a social community. Like you, you could imagine, you know, some uh, barbarian family or some like caveman family. Yeah, there's some sort of community there. They have maybe some social interactions and they're getting food for one another. But it seems like man can't fully reach the perfection of his nature until he enters a political community, mm-hmm. um, right? Because, I mean, you see this with uh, – if even, even if you just look at the progress of history, you know, in the times of cavemen, yeah, they had families. They had, you know, yeah. uh, their brothers and sisters that went out and, you know, you catch some food and you, you put a little food on the table and so you survive for that night. Uh, and they might help shelter each other from, from the storms um, so that they can kind of just survive on a basic level. But – uh, that's not, we wouldn't really call that, um, day to day struggle of just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't call that the perfection of life. We no, wouldn't call that like the, the ideal life thriving. Exactly. It's not flourishing. It's just surviving. Yeah. So it's not until man enters a society uh, that is political. Um, it's not until then that he can really experience the full fruition of living well, Yeah. because in a society that is political in nature, he can, uh, you know, know that he's protected at night. Uh, he can know that he's not just, you know, going to be food for some animal tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, he can have supplies uh, that last more than just uh, to the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So he can start to not worry so much about fulfilling his his survival 
the, the needs of his survival and he can move on to higher things, you know, uh, learning, um, religion, those sorts of things, art, all these beautiful things that make life worth living. It seems like you need a political system to do that. Yeah. Um, but the problem is uh, that political system, like you're, like we've been saying, cannot be the final end. Yeah. So I, I think you see that clearly with nationalism, how nationalism, uh, you know, becomes disordered insofar as it uh, tries to subject what is highest in man's nature, namely something ordered towards God, mm-hmm. tries to subject that to, to what ought to be a means to attend that end, yes. namely the political system. But what would you say, uh, on the contrast, is uh, is the danger in globalism? Because it seems like nationalism and globalism are kind of two ends of the extreme. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, inordinate love of your nation and then completely rejection of uh, national identity. Yeah. So what, what's the danger in globalism? So... Um, yeah, actually what you were just speaking about with like kind of being in a society allows you to start searching for these higher goals, right? Mm-hmm. L- love of learning, um, use of your hands for the creation of art, right. um, or engaging other people in higher intellectual conversations, whatever it is mm-hmm. that itself is building culture, right? Okay. So a cultural identity, um, that is unique to those particular people who are sharing in the values of that space base right Mm -hmm. so a society um is most truly a nation when it is also planted in a place right um and pope john paul will actually say that uh such that when you look at a particular culture you identify it with a place or and when you look at a place you identify it with a particular culture Mm. so that they're like interchangeable yeah the patrimony or the what is handed on from Mm -hmm. before values traditions experiences are handed on in a specific place to a specific people, right? right? So what globalism is doing is taking that completely away Mm -hmm. um, for the purpose of kind of an equality of all people. So what globalism is, is kind of an establishing a um, kind of a borderless society where all peoples are united under kind of one banner, um, one leadership, um, whether it's like, you know, the UN or Mm. some world council or whatever. Mm. um, It's kind of an equalization of all people so that all people are given the same needs, right? They're Mm -hmm. all taken care of the same way. The problem with that is by globalizing all people, you have to fundamentally eliminate their distinctiveness mm-hmm. and specifically their distinct value and culture. Mm-hmm. When you take those away, now people have no thing to stake their identity in, right? Mm-hmm. They just become a mass of people, humanity, right? right? And G.K. Chesterton actually says um, you can't love uh, kind of people from a distance authentically. You can't love a mass of people. You have to love right. individually, specifically. Yeah. He said there will at best be this abstract love of other people uh, if you kind of globalize everything. While it's important to see that all people are due equal dignity, mm-hmm. right, and respect. And charity, right? Yeah, exactly. The problem is, is they have to, like, basically reduce everyone to the, to a common experience, mm-hmm. in right? But what happens if you take away culture and you take away... Um, like identity like that Mm -hmm. um, or their values is the only thing that we can give to you to say they're all equal equal sorry is material goods material goods becomes the only only goal of a globalist society that i will take care of economically Mm -hmm. so that you're all equal but 
there's no way I can establish a moral equality among all people because you had your own values, you had your own. And instead of, because if I pick one, now I'm saying, well, this culture becomes how everyone has to live. Right. Well, okay. To play devil's advocate for a moment, it seems like you could have two countries, for example, that uh, have maybe different customs uh, or different practices as a culture, but fundamentally their civil law, for example, is is rooted in uh, the Ten Commandments. And so if you had those two kind of uh, cultural identities, I don't see why it would be a problem to merge them because, you know, maybe there might be some changing of, of customs, uh, but... It seems like as long as their law is based on the same principles, there there wouldn't be any any problem with with joining them together, would it? Um, Fr- Pope Francis says there would be that you're making people neighbors who never even had the experience of being brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're forcing a charity upon them mm-hmm. that they didn't have naturally. Right. So if but I, the Christians were supposed to have universal charity, yes, right? which is called solidarity, which right. is a ver- which is another virtue or a principle by which of uh, the virtue of patriotism must live by. Okay. But globalism is not solidarity. Right. Because solidarity still looks at an individual. Globalism cannot look and see individuals. Interesting. So even if, like you said, you had two countries that had um, different experiences, mm-hmm. but their like principle of morality was the same, yeah. those principles would have to be applied so generally, so generally, that they still couldn't look at individuals Okay. in those cultures and those anymore so even if you have two cultures that agree that killing and stealing is wrong even if you merge them together there's still going to be problems in the way they particularly interpret their their practices and their customs yeah how they live them out also you're presenting like while it's like it's a good devil's advocate scenario you're also presenting just a scenario that doesn't exist right there are no yeah sure we could even have half of the countries in the world that agree to one set of codes, mm-hmm. but not all the countries of the world are going to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really an, just simply unrealistic. Yeah. Um, but if it was to be employed, the only way to maintain order is to eliminate basically a moral order. Which would probably involve also a totalitarian government that's infringing on everybody's rights. Someone has rights to enforce. Yep. And a police, a police state probably. Yeah. Which is one where place what's interesting that Francis says that he thinks this idea of globalism is really bad. But in Fratelli Tutti, his more, more recent encyclical, he says, I believe like we should really sh- like focus heavily on giving the UN more power and they should really be given yeah, see. these things. And it's kind of – it's just a little contradictory I to think me. some people don't recognize the UN as a globalist institution. Yeah. And I, th- I think he sees it as, an, as like a means to give nations their own – like platforms, yeah. Like, oh, oh, if the UN says this, maybe that will incentivize people to. But take the UN, in reality, has its own prerogatives, right? Right, yeah. and that's the problem: is yeah. you will never be able to eliminate out of people a self-centeredness. Right. Someone somewhere will want to have control of that globalism, mm-hmm. right? No one will ever step freely away and say, "Oh, I'm only in this for the good of everyone else." Right. It's just unfortunately that's that's our right. It's just it's a, an that. effect of original sin, right? Yeah. Like you can't take uh, the fallen aspect of human nature out of the equation when you're considering politics. But still, I guess one question I still have from what you're describing globalism as is is this: uh, is the danger of globalism something intrinsic to it, or is it uh, more arising from the way that um, globalism would have to be enacted? What I mean by that is, you said okay. If you wanted to globalize the world and eliminate all borders, you would have to basically trample down 
you know, so many different cultural identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obviously seems wrong because for one thing that would have to happen aggressively. So yep. it would be violating people's rights, but also it seems like it's unnatural because people have these cultural identities kind of ingrained exactly. organically. So you'd have to be basically telling them, no, you're wrong for having this natural tendency. Mm-hmm. So for those reasons, I see how it'd be wrong to, in our current state of things, try to execute a globalized state. But suppose this is just hypothetical. Suppose somehow that we'd started in a, in a state uh, where people were less inclined to uh, like patriotism or nationalism and where there weren't so many distinctions by nation. Would there still be something wrong um, in light of human nature just to try to have a globalized state, even if even if the way of achieving it wouldn't be wouldn't involve like, you know, um, violating a bunch of different cultures? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like if that was the natural state of mankind, yeah. if we already just started out in this sense of living in a global community rather than living in nations, would there still be something wrong about globalism? Um, two things come to mind. First is something G.K. Chesterton says mm-hmm. in his essay, uh, The Patriotic Idea, yeah. where he says that um, it is created within the order of creation that there be distinctiveness. It's God's okay. will that there be distinction and diversity uh, mm-hmm. in creation. Okay. Wow. And he believes that because that's built in, mm-hmm. that globalism innately must be wrong because it's basically trying to say, oh, well, even though God created distinctiveness, we're going to kind of look beyond that. Okay. Also, a biblical example of people who kind of did, were living this like universal family, global identity is the Tower of Babel. Right. Um, they were speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. They understood each other. They knew everything. And what did they try to do? Make an idol out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Just like, in a sense, nationalism does. Yeah. But they're almost like, we're all, we're so united. We're all together that we've got to have all the power. We have all the control. There's mm-hmm. everyone desires this, right? Right. Instead of seeing like, okay, God is still the origin. I think globalism, where it also innately, like in its core is wrong is similar to nationalism, which is to see the state as its own end. Mm-hmm. I think globalism looks at like the equality of all people as the best end. Right. Um, and the human race itself yeah. as the best end. And equality end. of all people is good if we still let there be distinctiveness. Mm-hmm. But globalism does not allow right. equal yet distinct. Okay. It's equal across all playing fields. Equal and same. Yes, exactly. Right. Which is why it devolves into, as another article I read, um, just like basically a mob or a right, mass. Right. All of humanity is treated as humanity itself. Right. Mm-hmm. All there's there's no human person. It's just humanity. Right. You are a cog in the machine because you are part of humanity. Mm-hmm. You are not Nate Whitaker. You're just interesting. part of humanity. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it seems to me in some way that, um, you know, Christ told us if you follow me. You're inevitably going to be pitted against world powers, yep. and you're going to sometimes even have to be at odds with your neighbors and even with your friends and family. So it seems like to me, just going off what you're saying, if you did try to have a globalized community, uh, it would be uh, prioritizing, uh, you know, mutual equality and uh, like you know a a unified uh, community of all people. It would, it would be prioritizing that end inordinately mm-hmm. because basically you'd be saying, okay, we're willing to, we're willing to let go of all distinctions. We're willing to let go of all ind- individual principles and individual uh, worldviews for the sake of this global unity. Yeah. And in doing that, I think a Christian would necessarily have to let go of his Christian identity yeah, because... in favor of, well, I don't want to cause division with the guy next to me or with the mm-hmm. guy on the other side of the world because we're all supposed to be 
uh, you know, unified by globalism. So I guess I can't have my Christian views because that might be at odds with the guy next to me. So you'd have to let go of basically God in favor of man. Yeah. Which obviously is and inordinate. I, when I, we talked about patriotism or nationalism, kind of saying how we're supposed to, in this smaller context of a smaller nation or society, mm-hmm. build a reflection of what heaven is, which is communion of all persons. Mm-hmm. I feel like globalism is trying to establish that heaven actually on earth. Not like a close yeah, resemblance of yeah. it, but actually make it. Like Tower right. of Babel. Yeah, kind exactly. Of, right. Oh, we are all united perfectly. Right. That's only possible in heaven. But if we kind of remove God out of the equation, then, oh, well, then let's make it on earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's, it seems like, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You, I was going to say, it seems like those who are pushing for a globalized state currently are trying to do that. They're, yeah. They're trying to establish the new Jerusalem on earth in this world. Uh, they're, they're kind of trying to, in some way, institute... Uh, their own like end times their own utopia yeah not rooted in uh worship of the divine but purely in this inordinate worship of man yeah and and it seems like there, there's have you read the book father elijah uh no okay. i've read some of other stuff i know you've read michael other o'brien. michael o'brien okay for those of you who haven't read uh anything by michael o'brien there's this this great catholic author is, is he still alive do you know oh yeah okay um he, he's a fantastic author and i think also an artist um, mm. And he he writes these pretty long books, yes, um, quite. really great works of fiction and some science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and they often have a, a very, uh, they're often very like spiritually influenced. So I think the one book I've read by him uh, is called Father Elijah. It's about this priest um, set in pretty much just modern times. It's like, it's kind of like a parallel universe because it's modern times, but, uh, you know, not exactly the same world we live in mm-hmm. in some ways because it's, it's stuff is going on in uh, the current politics and headlines of of the book that aren't happening in our time exactly, but yeah. very similar. So it's about this priest, Father Elijah, and uh, he's basically sent by the Pope to investigate uh, this man who they are supposing might be the Antichrist, you know, mm-hmm. prophesied in the book of Revelation. Yeah. And a big part of it is uh, globalism. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of this key element in the book is, uh, and in the, the character who's presented as being maybe the Antichrist, a key element in him is that he is going to become the leader of like just a kind of a global community. Yeah. And I don't know if it particularly mentions the, the UN, but it's just, you, you get the sense that uh, the way that the antichrist, you get the sense from this book. And I think it might, might be true in reality as we may see in our own lifetime or sometime in the future, you get the sense that the way in which the antichrist might try to institute, uh, you know, his, parallel kingdom yeah. uh, and his rebellion against God might be through a globalized community and a globalized political community. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense just as Christ gave us the body of Christ. Yeah. It's like the, us... the antichrist is going to give us uh, his anti body of Christ or his body, of the antichrist yeah. to unify people all around the world. But in a warped way, in a warped way in in a shared rejection and rebellion against well, that, God. That makes sense. I mean, that tracks with the book of revelation, right? right. The beast who comes to earth and like says, you know, all peoples mm-hmm. worship the beast and yeah. the image of the beast, right. right? Versus worshiping Christ in the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very interesting uh, take on <laughs> the Antichrist and right. potentially another danger of globalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what, as Catholics or as Christians, what our position ought to be is this mean between the extremes right. of globalism and nationalism the balance uh, yeah. which is patriotism 
um, which we can understand is is really the love of everything about your country, mm-hmm. um, but in an ordered way mm-hmm. that you see that your country, because of its shared identity, its culture, the people in it, right. um, the rights that all individuals have within that country, mm-hmm. um, that all of those are do it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're willing to sacrifice yourself to defend it. But you also believe at the same time that all other nations have those same rights. Right. And that they are owed the same value you desire your nation mm-hmm. to be owed. Um, and that in need, we should also desire their good so mm-hmm. that the people in that country flourish, right? right. So that's kind of a universal charity. Mm-hmm. And also an ability to humbly receive. Yeah. That like, hey, they might be saying like, hey, you know, America, maybe you should shore up ideas here. Or maybe you should, you know, follow this policy right. a little bit more. We're really against... Yeah, that in a lot of ways, like, oh, you know, how dare you tell us? Or, or there's people in the United States that are just utterly hate our country. Yeah, um, which is oh, both it, of those. it's it's really interesting with what you just mentioned because a lot of those people that hate America and hate American values, um, they also are only able to express their <laughs> views yep. so aggressively thanks to the rights that we enjoy as Americans. So it's it's really a, a funny. Um, what would you call that? A funny paradox or yeah. a funny irony mm-hmm. that uh, these people are loudly proclaiming, we hate America. America was built on, uh, you know, uh, yeah. slavery and it was built on on these like horrible um, principles. It, yeah. Meanwhile, if you were in uh, an actual tyrannical country, you would be shot if you said any of those things. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's Christian patriotism really, it is a balance. It seems to necessary, necessarily take into account a natural love of your nation. And as Christ says, you know, a recognition that you ought to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but you have to have that universal charity. And when you are interacting with other nations, a Christian patriot must uh, acknowledge the golden rule and say, okay, I'm not going to violate this nation in a way that I myself wouldn't want my nation to be violated. And, you know, again, going back to the book of Revelation in a different way, in the book of Revelation, you see uh, there's basically, I think it's when John's beholding uh, the saved, he looks and he sees um, what he calls the, the great multitude yeah. of from every nation and tongue. Exactly. Right. So, and those are the ones that are uh, washing their, their garments white in the blood of the lamb. So they're saved, they're proclaiming God and they're going to enter into the new Jerusalem. And guess what? They are from every nation and tongue. Yeah. So a Christian patriot is going to recognize, look, yes, I do love my nation. I would willingly lay down my life for my nation, but, uh, you know, charity is owed to all and salvation can yeah. be given to all. That's that's so good. Um, Pope Pius XII actually mentions that. that really? Okay. Um, all nations, the, the gospel is for all nations. Right. Right. And all nations are called to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that all nations are called to be the same. Right. They're all nations are called to partake in this salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, really important principle is, you know, we this idea of solidarity, which is yeah. kind of loving all people. We're desiring to help them because of who they are mm-hmm. as created in God's image. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only truly do that if we first grow to love those people who are closest to us. Right. Right. Hmm. You know, as yeah. um, John says in his letter, how can you love God who you do you do not see if you don't love the brother who you do see? Wow. Well, I would say the same thing applies to people across the globe. Mm-hmm. How can you say, oh, I love them, you know, support them, take care of their needs. Sure. That's great. I hope you do that. Yeah. But how can you say that if you don't talk to your own brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. if you refuse to support your own country, that yeah. you share the rights and the, the privileges because yeah. of just being that citizen? Mm-hmm. Um, 
how can you say, oh, I love them and I love their culture. I love right. all things about them. Mm-hmm. But you can't say the same thing about your own country. So right. He's saying, oh, this is he, G.K. Chesterton says, like, you learn love of others by first loving the individual closest to you, which wow. patriotism mm-hmm. causes us to do, right? right? If you love those you love those who are Americans first mm-hmm. and love those who you, you share a culture, you share values, you right. share an identity of a citizenship, you share um, a history mm-hmm. that was passed down, um, particularly ours when a very independent, you know, freedom, the the American experience, right. the American dream. I love my brother in my country first and saying, because I love this relationship, and that's mm-hmm. what patriotism is, is loving your country and the relationship in it for the sake of the union that you have, not for the sake of the country Mm -hmm. or even just for the sake of the people in it, Mm -hmm. but for the sake of the good of the union that it fosters. Mm -hmm. That is a common good, the good of union. Nationalism can't give you a common good because it says the state's the common good. Mm -hmm. It is the end. Globalism can't because the the communion it fosters is very fake. Right. And unnatural. Exactly. Whereas patriotism fosters a natural union Mm -hmm. that nourishes in us a love not just for the person and not for the country but for the union itself mm-hmm. and that's why patriotism is the virtue that christians strive for that makes so much sense especially in the context of recognizing that our ultimate end is union exactly. with god mm-hmm. right so it seems like patriotism prepares us in a way to participate in the shared union that we're hopefully going to have in heaven um like and so it, it's yeah it's just such a beautiful thing when patriotism is is enacted in a good way because it it's doesn't have to be this uh, either you love your country or you love other countries yeah. or like either you 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 know put your your country's values first or you um you know want to uh, to have an open minded care for for the whole global community because in reality you both of those the one when yeah. it's executed in a healthy way will lead to the other mm-hmm. I think you saw the the problem with you know an inordinate understanding of that concept in uh the Ukraine issue. There mm. were a lot of Americans who, the same sort of yeah. Americans that would say they hate America, they hate their own country, but then they're saying, I stand with Ukraine, I, I, I want to, you know, oppose any injustice that's done against Ukraine. Meanwhile, in their own local sector in yeah. America, they, they either don't, don't take any, yeah, they don't support the country, they don't take an active role in making things better here. So it seems like you brought up C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters says, um, this is from the wrong perspective, this is from, uh, a devil, you yeah. know, Screwtape, of course, is, is giving advice on how to bring he- uh, humans to hell. He says, you know, it's okay to let the humans um, exercise virtues in their fantasy as long as it doesn't inform the way they behave in a concrete way. Yeah. So he says, that, like, you know, humans uh, thinking nice thoughts and projecting nice feelings and fantasies, that's not going to get them to heaven. Mm-hmm. The only thing that will get them to heaven is is actually doing good works. And so, well, of course, yeah. by grace, I'm not saying we're yeah. saved by works, but like the point is like, you can't just it be virtuous display of what you believe to say. Right. You can't be virtuous in your fantasy. Yeah. Um, and so what, what can happen in a wrong way, I think if we have the wrong understanding of patriotism or, or like trying to find a balance between globalism, nationalism, um, we can, uh, tend to sometimes think, oh, there's so many bad things going on in the world out there. I, I, I stand with the, those who are oppressed. I, I yeah. want them to be better, but then we don't do anything in, in actuality on a daily basis to, to, you know, stand against injustice in our country. Yeah. Right. So it's patriotism really calls us out to, yes, love those, uh, who, you know, are all around the world and recognize that we're all, um, you know, 
participants in in, the, in this life and we're all striving for the same ultimate end of happiness so we have to have a common charity for all of them but it also you know charity patriotism when well ordered also calls us out to take an active role in seeking out the good in our country yeah and and doing whatever it takes to protect the goods of our country because if we protect first the goods of this country mm-hmm. and the goods of our neighbors and desire for that communion in our own country right we can then serve as a model and an inspiration yeah. for others to mm-hmm. also strive and be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And a threat in a positive way right. to those who challenge that, right. right? If we say, hey, we can be independent, but we still care for you, mm-hmm. that threatens countries who want to suppress or, or kind of absorb yeah. other nations into their own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so maybe you didn't realize that, you know, how patriotic, um, you know, your disposition is can affect the the globe at the same time mm-hmm. um or your duty to patriotism yeah um because it is it is it's actually a it duty. is for christians it's uh, be, a responsibility because yeah. it is in the nation that you grow in virtue because what the nation does for you there you then owe it back to the mm-hmm. nation um that's something justice. i need to recognize more is yeah. recognizing the duty of patriotism because i think sometimes i tend to look kind of negatively on american politics and the whole uh, society and think well you know what america's depraved or, you know, our politicians are corrupt and don't share our principles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, may as well just throw up your hands and kind of let it go. Let it let it burn. Like I was, yeah, I was yeah. literally saying that to mom and dad yesterday. I was, we were driving in the car. We were just kind of talking about politics and stuff. And I was saying, you know, it, it seems like you kind of just want to like, I, I don't care anymore about how our political system goes at this point because it, it seems like it's so messed up at this point. You may as well just let it let it be and let it burn and let it die. But that's that, that is the wrong attitude. Yeah. You do have to take a patriotic stance and desire what's good for your country and you have to take action to achieve what is good. And the action doesn't necessarily mean gun blazing, right? No. And, you know, stamping American flags, you right. know, waving your face saying, you know, we are the best country with Right. You you can believe you have the best country and that you're privileged to live in the best mm-hmm. country. But you also have to let other people believe that they live mm-hmm. in their best right. country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I know some people who are, you know, so aggressively, quote unquote, patriotic right. that they're so negative about other people mm-hmm. that that's not that's actually not patriotism. So if you if you think you're being patriotic and you're like that, you actually aren't a patriot. You're a nationalist. And I don't want to throw that out there and sound like, you know, some of those woke right. leftists who are, thro- you know, throwing out the word nationalist and fascist, like, yeah. you know, every insult, every other minute. Um, right. But patriotism is an ordered love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if your love for your country brings you to hate other people, mm-hmm. it's not patriotism. Right. But if your patriotism and you think your patriot is so wishy-washy as to say, well, it doesn't really matter. Right. You know, like they have their, you know relativism kind of a belief so who cares what they do that like we should we can kind of maybe it'd be best if we just kind of like all like set aside everything and just kind of like mm-hmm. got along that's also not patriotism right. that's just kind of just nothing that's weak sauce yeah exactly yeah yeah and uh it's it's important to recognize probably as a country many of us could it, like you don't want to ever advise people to go to an extreme but the current trend as far as vice goes i think in our country is towards globalism so I think sometimes to reach patriotism, we might have to uh, take on an appearance that might be a little bit closer to nationalism. There's there's certain good political leaders now mm-hmm. who are actually taking a stand. They're saying we need to restore American values and we need to restore our identity yeah, in exactly. dialogue with other countries. And people point to them and say, oh, they're fascist. You know, they're just like Hitler. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just when when a society is bent 
towards one vice uh, on one end of the spectrum yeah. to actually reach the middle to reach the virtue the, you're gonna have to look pole. like the opposite vice yeah so some of us might have to look a little bit like nationalists to be true patriots but you know it, it is it is a true patriotism is fundamentally a balance yeah so and yeah. it's ordered towards finally the union right? right and that you desire and love that union that you have in your country mm -hmm. and desire that all people be able to also be privileged to share in that same union right. and hope and pray that that union leads to the ultimate union that we're all seeking, namely union with God in the new Jerusalem exactly. where yeah. we will all share in that identity. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, thank you, I guess for, I think we're, we're it was probably a pretty good discussion. Yeah. I think we wrap it up. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us again, uh, mm -hmm. guys. And for all of you who are listening uh, or watching, we just, I want to wish you Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And, have a uh, great one. Yeah, have a good New Year, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Adios. God bless.